the American people will soon find out if the United States is going to war. Fires are raging across Brazil's Amazon rainforest. At the stroke of midnight, the U.S. hit China with tariffs on $34 billion worth of goods. Hurricane Dorian made landfall with wind speeds of 185 miles per hour. Multiple drones bombed Saudi Arabia's largest oil facilities today. 60,000 people have fled their homes in northeastern Syria. It's like these 500-year floods or 100-year floods. They're happening every other year. Anti-government protesters in Hong Kong have taken to the streets. The magnitude 7.1 quake was felt from Los Angeles all the way to Nevada. It is one of the worst escalations of violence on the Israel-Gaza border in years. The world seems so unstable, so insecure. Everything is changing way too fast. But there are some things that are steadfast, things that never change. God and His Word. Randy Reams is pastor of Kindred Bible Church in Nampa, Idaho. Join Pastor Randy now as he shares truths from God's unchanging word. So again, Malachi chapter 3, starting in verse 13, reading through 4, 6. Please stand when you're there. It is our tradition to stand for the reading of God's Word. While you're standing, I want to thank Timothy for filling in with me for me last week on a relatively short notice. Uh, if you recall, the week before in the middle of the preaching, my voice started going and I got this thing. and So I became the Godfather. Anyway, so Tim, Tim filled in for me and I appreciate that. Okay, Malachi chapter 3, starting in verse 13. Your words have been hard against me, says the Lord. But you say, how have we spoken against you? You have said it is vain to serve God. What is it, the profit of our keeping, his charge or walking as in mourning before the Lord of hosts? And you might ask, what does that mean? But we'll break that down. And now we call the arrogant blessed. Evildoers not only prosper, but they put God to the test and escape. Then those who feared the Lord spoke to one another, and the Lord paid attention and heard them. And a book of remembrance was written before them, excuse me, before those who had feared the Lord and esteemed his name. They shall be mine, says the Lord of hosts, in the day when I make up my treasured possession. I will spare them as a man spares his his son who serves him. Then once more you will see The distinction between the righteous and the wicked, between the one who serves God and the one who does not serve Him. Chapter 4, verse 1. And behold, the day is coming, burning like an oven, when all the arrogant and the evildoers will be stubble. The day that is coming shall set them ablaze, says the Lord of hosts, so that it will leave them neither root nor branch. But for you who fear my name, the son of righteousness, that's S-U-N, son of righteousness, shall rise with healing in his wings. And you shall go out leaping like calves from a stall. I've never tried that. And you shall tread down the wicked, for they will be ashes under the soles of your feet on on the day when I act, says the Lord of hosts. Remember the law of Moses, my servant? even the statues and ordinances which I commanded him in Horeb for all of Israel. Behold, I will send you Elijah, the prophet, before the great and awesome day when the Lord comes, and he will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children 
and the hearts of the children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the land with a decree of utter destruction. You may be seated. <clears throat> Again, I lay the background real short here. Um, this general theme of what's going on is Malachi is rebuking and correcting the people of God for dishonoring him. He's done that through a series of questions and answers. And, and the big problem is they really wouldn't acknowledge that God had the sovereign right to run the world the way he wants. In particular, their lives the way he wants. And, and that showed up in offerings. It showed up in, in intermarriage in the people. It showed up in how they... Uh, Levites taught and how the people read the word of God. And they accused him of approving evil and being unjust. Specific context, what just followed this is what we read, is the way they dishonored God by robbing God, denying basically that they hate God could require of them a set amount in giving. That, that like the stuff wasn't God's and they could claim it as their own. Again, it's dishonoring God, in particular His sovereignty over their stuff or what they see as their stuff. Okay, And God gives some promises that if you would have the right attitude in this giving, that there would be some blessings. This response that comes from this is, wait a minute, I don't see that. You'll see. He says, your words have been hard against me. Now, your words, don't think of that as individuals. That's, that's speaking of an attitude of the culture as a whole. Okay, Not literal words, but more of an attitude. That, though, that your attitude that you've had as a culture has been hard or harsh okay, or arrogant. It's from the word strong is the big base core word of that. Okay, Sort of like sticking out your chest and you're having an attitude towards God. Okay, Yeah, not a good idea. That then the question, but you say, how have we spoken against you, against God? Again, they're, like before, they're clueless. The idea that the wicked will not be judged and that they prosper, the wicked, has become so prolific and so common that they didn't even notice they had that attitude. You, you've spoken against me. You've stuck your chest out. In this arrogant manner, well, how have we done that? Because <laughs> you're saying the arrogant don't get judged. Okay. <clears throat> and they don't even notice they're doing it. Here is what they say. Verse 14, chapter 3. It is vain or futile, empty, to serve God. Okay. Sometimes that word, I find it interesting, that word, what we see here is vain or empty or futile or worthless, is sometimes translated false or falsehood to deceive. It's deceiving. It's a lie when you think that it's futile to serve God. Okay? The notion that it is futile to serve God is expounded in the next two phrases. Okay? It goes like this. Basically, what profit is there in keeping his charge, in keeping his commands? How does it benefit me? The keeping his charge refers particularly, it was a phrase used, a Hebrewism, the activities connected with corporate worship and serving in the temple. Okay? Particularly often to the Levites. But so what good? Well, how does it benefit me to worship? 
to do the things of worship. Let me put it. Uh, I'm not getting fed. How does it feed me? That's one of the things they're saying. What do I gain from serving God? The implication is their attitude is nothing. Okay? They benefit. Well, it doesn't. That's, that's the rhetorical answer to that question. Because it goes on to say, what is the profit of walking as in mourning before the Lord? You say, what does that mean? What do I gain? What is the profit to repent? That idea of mourning, that you're sorrowful for what's happened. Okay? Well, how does it gain me anything to repent? What do I get out of that? See the attitude. Serving God, I'll put it simple. They're saying serving God doesn't pay. Unless you're a prosperity movement, then you say it does. I was uh, reading, I, I'm not going to mention the name, but reading in several, two of his books at least, one famous preacher and talking about uh, Zechariah being struck mute. Okay? And, the, and this preacher says the reason that Zechariah was struck mute because his negative attitude and words would have stopped God's plan. Yeah, I don't want to stand next to him on a day of judgment. It might get me. Control God. See the arrogance. See, they've turned it off. I don't get anything out of it. What's the point? So they make the gospel in what you get out of it. I mean, can we I mean, you do it in, I'll say, in traditional uh, Orthodox Christianity, not just out there in the prosperity word of faith group, but we do it this way. We make serving God about getting heaven. So we've got to be careful of the same thing in a different sense. I, so I asked this question, what in the world gets a culture, especially a theocratic culture, a, a religious culture, it wasn't just some civil government what gets them thinking that serving God is futile? Again, the context is these promises that God has made if they would tithe, if they would give to Him. And we talked about last time, that represents your life, not, not just the amount of money you're given. Okay? The reason is they look around and they, here's the promise of God, and they look around the situation and go, wait a minute, I don't see a match between these promises God said He'd give us I mean, I tried the tithing thing. It didn't work. I, I didn't get blessed like that. What I see is the wicked people who don't serve God, who live against God, I see them prosper. They thought that their religious service, whether it's tithing or not, obligated God to give them something. When they didn't see God giving back the way they thought God's obligated to do because of what they did, well, then what's the point? Okay? They, they thought that living according to God's rules, regulations, ordinances, was supposed to guarantee that they would have a better life now. Some reason, following God's ordinances and laws, that's taken right from chapter 4, for some reason... That made a guarantee that in their life, they're not going to be poor, they're not going to be sick. Life's just going to be health and wealth. And they didn't see that happening. They forgot that living for God is about honoring God and giving Him glory. That's the whole accusation of the book. Starts that way. If I'm, the fa I'm your father, we have that same analogy here about fathers and sons. If I'm your father, where's my honor? You've missed the point. 
Okay? Serving God's about honoring God, or put another way, giving glory to God, which is the chief aim of man, Westminster Confession. If you don't know what the Westminster Confession is, I suggest you get it and read it. Um, some of the early reformers in the six, I think it was like 1620, 1630, actually wrote it. It actually was submitted to Parliament in Great Britain. Parliament returned it to them and says, could you give more scriptural proof for what you're saying? Could you imagine? Returned it back to Parliament, and it was voted on by Parliament. But I suggest that you, you read the Westminster Confession sometime. I, and I don't care what background you're from, if you're watching and you're listening, whether you're charismatic hostel, you're, you're Episcopal, whatever you are, I suggest you read the Westminster Confession. It's quite enlightening. <clears throat> okay. So, serving God is futile. They just looked at the evidence around them. They used what they saw in the natural to judge the character and nature of God. I actually heard a comedian this week refer to this idea in a different context. It was, it was supposedly something else, but he used the idea. When he sees all this misery, suffering, poverty, evil around us, there is no God. He was using it in another context, but he uses that exact statement okay, to, to say that idea runs amok in our culture. Because we want to judge God by what we see in people. What we see happening to people. Instead of reverse, judging people through the eyes of God. And that includes myself. And now we, listen to this, we, these, the people, call the arrogant blessed. We've decided when we look at the arrogant, what they have is blessing. Evildoers not only prosper, but they put God to the test and escape. The word arrogant here is the best we can get it in English, but really it's presumptuous, rebellious arrogance. Okay? It's, it's, it's a strong attitude of rebellion. It presupposes that their side, that these people, that somehow they're enlightened. They have the answers. You, other, you, you, you people believe that earth was created in, in six days, you naive, poor little people. We're smarter than you. Okay? Anything on the other side, from where they are, is ignorant and deceived. That's the attitude that's being brought by this word. It manifests in mockery and insults, eventually vilification, and violence against the other side. They, we, God's people Israel, in this case, are calling that kind of thing and how they get to live blessed. Now, I helped plant a church uh, in Arizona uh, in a community that had a high uh, homosexual ratio of people living in this town, okay? And, and they were all living better than I was. Trust me that. I was living out in trailer out in the desert okay but but we have this idea that we see what the world has and we go look at see that's blessing that's that that's what real blessing is and then we judge god by what we've now determined is blessing instead of let god determine from his word what it means to be blessed so so if i could say this blessed means happy or peaceful Okay, to invoke that. So I'm going to bless you is the idea of invoking or calling down blessing on you, happiness and peacefulness. See, 
in this case, the world's idea of happiness, peacefulness, had become the people of God's idea of happiness and peacefulness. Maybe it was wealth or success, relationships. Okay, and a lot of studies show that that's, that really makes people happy is relationships. Okay, maybe good health or, or more ease and comfort, less pain. But the world's idea of what life is all about, has it become the church's idea of what life is all about? Well, I don't know. Let's take away the soft pews and let's put in hard benches and we'll find out. Let's take away the air conditioners. So I, I know you're all looking at me sort of blank, all right? But, but we comfort. We stop coming to worship God if it's not comfortable, physically comfortable. If they don't sing the songs we like. If it, if it isn't long enough or short enough for us. Church went over an hour, I'm done. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Where are you getting this idea from? See, the Bible says here that the evildoers, not only do we call them us because we see them prosper. The word prosper means built, established, or set up. When we look out there, man, the wicked, they're set up. And if I can use it in a slang term today. They, they got all they need. They have the relationships, the wealth, the success, the good health, the whatever. But not only do they prosper, they put God to the test by their wickedness and escape. Oh, here's that one again. God is not just. He is not judging the wicked. Matter of fact, we see God, what we think, doing the opposite. Blessing and causing the wicked to prosper. Okay? There's now, again... This is all an attack on the character of God, thus dishonoring him. Then it says this, Then those who feared the Lord spoke to one another. Notice it's those who feared the Lord. We'll talk about that more later. That would be some group, some remnant of people. Okay? Which, are, which I would say is the true Israel, like you would see in Romans 9, 6 through 9. Okay? True Israel. It's not just Abraham's physical genetics that made them the remnant, the fear of God. It, it was some inside. There's, there's still this group, no matter how much wickedness they see and how much prosperity they see in the world and wickedness, there is a remnant who still feared God. And they spoke to one another. The idea is somehow they encouraged one another. Okay. Now, this next sentence is, and the Lord paid attention and heard them. There's two interpretations of this. Because again, Malachi is one of the most difficult um, books written in Hebrew to translate to English. It's just very difficult. So there's a couple, two interpretations of this. One is they spoke about, that is, the God-fearers spoke about, what we see out there is really not true. That isn't, they aren't blessed. God is going to judge the wicked. God heard that. Okay, that, that's one. Okay. Or, God had paid attention and heard the mockery of the arrogant. And God will judge them. So God will punish the wicked. 
the outcome's the same, no matter which way you look at that. Whether it's the people of God saying he's going to get them, or it's God hearing the mockery of the people and God saying he's going to get them. It ends up the same, but I thought since I couldn't be definitive on either one, I needed to give you both of those possible interpretations. There is a remnant. God pays attention, I suggest to you, to both what the remnant is crying, crying out and saying. Okay? But it would be encouraging as we look at each other today. Don't worry about it. The wickedness you see out there, they're not getting by with it. Really, they're not. God sees it. He hears it. That's encouraging. Okay? Or just the fact that God heard, pays attention, and sees what's going on in the world. It isn't a surprise to him. He'll take care of it. Still encouraging. Verse 16 and 17. And a book of remembrance was written before him of those who fear the Lord and esteem his name. Let me put it another way. A book of remembrance. <clears throat> God has not forgotten those who still fear him. It may look like it to you that the bad guys are winning. It may look like to you God forgot you're out here, but that's not the case. He's written it in a book of remembrance. Okay? Who fear the Lord and esteem his name. Okay? His name. No, notice his name is so associated with who he is. Lord, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. Yahweh. Okay? Jehovah, as we say it in English. Okay? That, that those who still honored and respected God for who he is wants to defend his character, that is his holiness, his sovereignty, his justness, so on. He calls these people in the next verse, mine, God says, or my treasured possession. This goes all the way back to chapter 1. That's how the chapter starts. You're mine. I've chose you. You're my possession. Okay, so that takes us right back to that. As a man spares his son who serves him. Again, that reference back to chapter 1 when he talks about a father and a son. If really I'm your son, where's the honor that I get? But it really stresses the significance of the relationship between God and those who truly belong to him. It's emphasizing that. You're mine. You're my treasure. You're my son. It's emphasizing that relationship. No matter what you see around you, that relationship hadn't changed. It is really an answer to that idea of, wait a minute, the, arrogance or the arrogant are the ones who are getting by with it. Hey, hang in there. I haven't forgotten you. You're mine. You're my possession. You're my son. Not them. Verse 18, then once more there shall be a distinction, or the distinction, between the righteous and the wicked, between the one who serves God and the one who does not serve Him. There is a clear distinction. Okay? There's a clear distinction. There's going to be a day come when the distinction between the wicked and the righteous is obvious. Between those who fear God and esteem His name. Okay? And He applies that to this. How do I know that those who fear My name and do it? Those who serve Me and those who don't. Let me put it another way. Those who don't live for themselves but live for Me. Those who recognize My right as sovereignty to say to them, this is what you need to do. And those who don't. 
The wicked at this point will no longer be able to disguise themselves. Every false believer, false Israel in this case, compared to true Israel, like I talked about, will be exposed. 1 Corinthians 4 and 5. Do not pronounce judgment before the time, before the Lord comes. Now this is after His first advent, therefore it's speaking of His second. Who will bring to light the things now hidden in darkness and will disclose the purposes or motives of the heart. And each one will receive his commendation from God. There's a time coming that those and those who pretend, who are looking like it, but there's going to time comes, God's going to show what was really in their heart. They were trying to see what benefit they would get from serving God. They were trying to do it for their gain. I, I, I think it's interesting and, and that, that many in prison, quote, find Christ till they get out. Because it's benefit to look Christian when you're inside and you're coming up for parole. Right? But those who are, who are walking into a church on Sunday and going out and living like Satan during the rest of the week, don't worry, we'll all find out then. We, don't, we may, may not know now. Okay? But what benefits serve coming to church for people like that? I come to church and I feel better. I, I don't want to go to church they preach on sin. I, just, I want to go to church where I go and I feel better, that I get good feelings out of it. Okay? And then there's these distinctions between the wicked and the righteous. And allow me to draw upon the rest of the previous part of Malachi to make this distinction. Those who don't fear God, that is, they don't honor and revere Him. They didn't acknowledge God as Lord. That is, they didn't believe He had the sovereign right to tell them what to do. When God says a person must repent, trust in Christ alone, or face God's wrath, they say, well, wait a minute. Wait a minute. I, I can do enough good things that'll balance out the bad things, and, and that'll get me off. I don't, I don't have to put my trust in, in Christ. I, I don't have to really repent. I just got to do enough good things to outweigh the bad things. This is Pastor Randy Reams, and I want to thank you for joining us today for Truths from God's Unchanging Word. This broadcast is a ministry outreach of Kindred Bible Church in Nampa, Idaho. And if you'd like to hear this message in its entirety or other messages, just visit kindredbible.org forward slash media. And there you can also subscribe to the podcast. If you're being ministered to by this broadcast, I'd like to ask you to consider financially supporting this ministry. Giving is easy. Just go to kindredbible.org forward slash give. There you can make a one-time gift or you can choose to become a monthly supporter. But if you prefer, you can send your gift to KBC PO Box 32, Nampa, Idaho 83653. Your prayers, words of encouragement, and financial support helps ensure that this broadcast will continue to be heard in your region and around the world. 
Again, I'd like to thank you for listening to Truths from God's Unchanging Word.